22nd verse. Reads this way, and it was at Jerusalem the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Heavenly Father, we are thankful tonight again for the reading of your word. For that master which thou hast caused to be preserved into our day, which definitely and certainly must have a meaning or a lesson to us. We pray, Father, that we would have the ability, the unction, the anointing, to be able to extract that from the divine word of God, presented as best we can to the hearts and minds of the congregation. Pray, Master, that you would give them ears to hear, heart to understand, and a soul to receive. And we'll give you the praise in your wonderful name, the name of Jesus, the only name in heaven and earth whereby we must be saved. Thank you, Jesus, for your wonderful promises. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated again. It is a privilege to, as always, to be back home. It's been a very rewarding time, but it's been very tiring. I'm almost too old for these four or five hundred mile trips and then preaching almost every night for a week or so. <laughs> but it is rewarding to see the God's people, our hunger, that thirst, and unashamedly come into the presence of the Lord and drink of the waters of life freely and receive manna from heaven which would sustain them and strengthen them. God's people are loving people everywhere and there are people that's working under burdens almost everywhere we look. I'm not so sure which direction to go this, with this. My eyes captured this thing some time ago and I've just been struggling with it and Several things in there at beginning of the 22nd verse, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. I want to talk a little bit about, and it was winter. Number one, let's get some standing or setting on that thing. Jesus had just got through healing the blind man and told him to go to the pool of Shalom and wash. He went and washed, received his sight, and it caused quite an uproar. The whole chapter of ninth chapter of John was taken up with that. And he comes right on in this and begins to talk about the shepherd and he being the shepherd and a door also and uh, a porter and also talking about the sheep and talking about the thief that cometh to kill and destroy. 
And he said he had come to have, you might have life and have it more abundantly. And then it seems to break off here, and Jesus then takes him a little walk and said, Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Now, number one, the Feast of Dedication seemed to commemorate the rededication of the temple and the renewing of the altar by Judas Maccabeus under the Maccabees after it was profaned by Antiochus Epiphanes. It was called the Feast of Lights. It lasted eight days, and each day more lights were lit each day until the whole city, more or less, was filled with light. And this was accompanied by festivities. It was a feast of joy. should have no marks of sorrow there at all and no fasting. You should come and enjoy this. It is uh, renewing, uh, rededication, and so on. And it was designed specifically to awaken the hearts of the people that was living under the Roman yoke at that time to awaken their hearts for freedom. Now, the Jews had an awful time. Sometimes they would succumb to Roman rule, and things were going pretty good, and they would have no desire to have a nation of their own again, and they would not recognize the bondage they was in. And this usually began about our December the 19th and lasted through the 27th, and it says, And it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Now, Solomon's porch was a passageway from the city of David into the sanctuary, and there Jesus walked because, as it said, it was winter, and the cold could not penetrate there. But as always, the Scripture is not only telling us something that could be applied materially, but hidden in these Scriptures also is something that could be applied spiritually. It is that spiritual connotation that I want to extract from that book tonight. In fact, it was winter. And it was not only winter in the outer world, but even in this time of festivities, it was winter in the hearts of the Jews. It was winter of despair for deliverance. And I'm sure crying from the very depths of their heart, they were wondering if springtime would ever come and freedom would ever bloom again for the nation. And then, as you can see from their direct question, they were wanting a direct answer from Jesus as whether he was going to be the Messiah that would bring in this blessed period that they were longing for. Could he be the messenger, they was wondering, that was predicted in the passages that they read during this festival. Ever so often, two different passages was read every so often. I'm not sure they disagree on uh, how often it was read, but a passages from Zechariah 2.10, pa- passages of Zechariah 3.8 was read every so often, all during this festival for eight days. Zechariah 2.10 says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. And their heart was yearning. It was wintertime not only naturally, but it was wintertime spiritually. Their heart was yearning for freedom. The Romans had put a yoke on their neck. Their temple more or less had been taken from them. And all of these things was happening. And they was looking at what Zechariah said under the inspiration that there would come a deliverer out of Zion. And of course, Jesus had 
presented himself as that Messiah time and time again, and they hadn't understood him. Of course, carnal mind cannot understand spiritual things. And another scripture they read was Zechariah 3.8 says, Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at, for behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. And of course they realized that in the branch and in this one that come to Zion would be the deliverance of the Jewish nation, and they were looking for that. And so they came to Jesus and said, Tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? In other words, they asked the question, Is our winter almost over? Is our despair almost come to an end? And of course, the winter wasn't over. Of course, you know as well as I do that Jesus had already said, whenever he looked over Jerusalem, said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stoneth the prophets and killeth them that are sent unto thee, how oft would I have gathered thee together as a mother hen doth her chicks, and ye would not. And then he said, Therefore your house is left unto you desolate, and you'll not see me any more until you say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And then another time, he said in Isaiah, I think, 25 and 9, said, Your winter will not be over until you look up and say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him. Of course, you're aware as much as I do that the winter, as far as the Jewish nation is concerned, is still going. Jesus could see the ovens of Hitler. He could see the destructive forces that did exactly what they did when they said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And this has it been. And the winter, as far as the Jewish nation is concerned, is still going on. And they were asking 2,000 years ago, is our winter almost over? And Jesus was telling them that absolutely not. They had not accepted him. They couldn't understand him. They had placed him at naught. But not only was it a winner for the Jews, it was a winner and a bad time for Jesus. He had come into his own, and his own had received him not. He at that particular time was being misunderstood. He came just to do good. He walked the dusty, sandy shores of Galilee, healing the sick, raising the dead, doing all manner of good things, and yet he was rejected. Even the answer to, his, to their questions, he said, Behold, I've told you often, time and time again, I've taught you openly, I've tried to make you understand the reason I came, tried to make you understand that there's no possible way a kingdom could be established now because you need the precious blood of the only begotten Son. I've tried to make you understand what my mission here is, and I've tried to make you understand that I have other sheep that is not in this fold, and you didn't understand it. I've tried to let you see that it was necessary that I should mount the cross of sin and shame and die for all humanity. Yes, the human part of Jesus was crying also, When will my winter ever end? When will my discouragements ever stop? And I'm sure as he looked out with his heart, even as he looked out in Jerusalem and saw what could have been, said one time, if you just had known this your day, if you could have just understood what I was here to try to do, if you could have just accepted me as being the King of kings and Lord of lords and understand what I came here to do, but you didn't understand that. Every place Jesus went, 
having done a good deed, as far as humanity was concerned, he was vilified. He was put down, he was mocked, he was scoffed, and his greatest part of his winter was yet to be when they were going to meet him in the Garden of Gethsemane, take him out, lavishly whip upon him, crucify him, mock him, and try their best to destroy him. All the time Jesus was saying, will my winter ever end? Well, his winter ended. Friend, whenever he died and he gave his life's blood for you and I, his winter ended when they placed him in a tomb. And there he was there three days and three nights. And his winter ended when he rose again, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. I said all that to say this. It's winter time for the church. I have heard testimonies tonight, testimonies that are true, that this is a wicked world. This is a cruel world. This is a world that cares not for no one, not even its own. There's sickness, there's heartache, there's turbulences, there's destruction. Every place you go and read in your newspapers, and you don't have to go to Chicago anymore to see it. All you've got to do is recognize right around close to us where individuals know individuals that have been arrested because they have been accused in the murder of a father and a mother. And on and on you can go right around close to us, extending from Louisville to uh, uh, Evansville to Winslow, and on and on you can go right real close to us. There's iniquity every place. It's a sad, despairing winter time for the church. Yeah, we have our feast of dedication. We know that we are the lights of the world, and we have light our lights as much as possible so they can be lit in the world. We have our festivals, our worship services, where we put our sorrows and our despairs behind us, as it were, just for a few moments, and we enjoy the blessings of God and the communion of God, communion of Jesus and the communion with one another. And these are good things. These are festivals. But all at the same time as we're gathered here, rejoicing and singing, lifting up our light and lighting, we realize that we are still in a cruel, cold chamber of the world. There is no heat there. It's wintertime for the church. We know the world is in bondage to the enemy. We realize that. And we recognize all the time we've got to fight daily for the inner peace and freedom given us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got to be awakened to the realization that many times the world is in bondage. And we've got to become aware that there is a deliverer that has to come. As I said, we watch death, watch sickness, we watch it take its toll on humanity. We see wars and we see murder and we see immorality. And we see all of these things that's despairing to our life. And even in our wintertime, we have to stand firmly and faithfully on the promises of God. Sometimes there's not much left but the promise of God. Sometimes everything that outwardly is taken from us. Despondency, distress is all we see. And then, my friend, is the time for us to open this divine Word of God and curl up with it someplace and get inside of that and see the promises of Almighty God. Sometimes that's all that's left for you and I in the wintertime of the church. But aren't you glad that we have the promises of Jesus Christ? 
Aren't you glad tonight that you can get a hold of them and cling to them until God comes in your life? He may not change our circumstances, but He can change us to meet the circumstance that's in our life. Oftentimes we're desiring to see a change in circumstance. I don't understand everything that comes my way, and you don't understand everything that comes your way. It's circumstances. I'm going to say it again. It's winter time for the church. It's a despairing time for the church. Individuals testifying. I can remember days of old when the fires were burning bright. <laughs> Hallelujah. When the Holy Ghost was firing, moving, motivating mankind in almost every place. Houses were filled. Altars were filled. And it was summertime as far as the church is concerned. But we're in another season. We're in another time. And we need to recognize that. Oh, it's not a finality. It's not the grand finale at all. It's a season that we have to walk through. It's a time when we simply have to realize where we're at and what do we do when we're there. Hallelujah. When we can't see any result, we get a hold of this that no power of hell can take away from us. We sink our teeth in it and we say, Thank God for your promises when nothing else is left. Can you say amen? Even in the midst of the winter, I thought more about this as it was snowing in Milwaukee. I thought it's winter time. We had just got a taste of spring. It looked like things were just going to bloom out. And then boom, all at once, it's winter time, it's snow. Well, it's a season for it. And we need to recognize that. God has set seasons in the natural. He has set seasons in the spiritual. There are spring times as far as the church is concerned. Where there's an opening of flowers and beauty. And life springs forth. And then there's summertime. Where it's heated up by the power and fervency of God's children. And then it's fall. When we see things begin to fall away. And leaves one time. That was green begin to turn brown. And then things are barren. And then it's winter time and then it's winter time and the cold comes in around us and we begin to wonder what can we do friend there again even in our winter time we stand firmly on the promises of God we believe in him and find his promises to be yea and amen I've never caught God reneging on a promise yet I've often said he's never been too late but he's missed a lot of opportunities to be early. <laughs> Amen. And what he's asking us to do is get on the Word and stay there. Be tried as by fire by the Word of God. How much do you believe his promises? Where is our faith? You see, if we could see everything rosy, we wouldn't need any faith. And God sometimes challenges our faith. We've got in your day and mine, an earnest of our inheritance. And that earnest begins to feel good when nothing else is left. I mean, when everything else is snatched from us, when uh, winter covers the ground and snow covers the ground and things that we have planted and things we have planned on doesn't materialize, then there is an earnest inside here. Not only do we have the Word of God and the promises of God, but inside of us is an earnest of our inheritance. A little portion of what are we going to have a whole lot of when Jesus comes. And He says, we lie on that which is within you. Let it do something for you. 
Let it stand when you can't. Let it get a hold when you can't get a hold. And we know in this is eternal life. Amen? Eternal life. Life as real as the little child that was raised in His Word. When He said, Talitha Kuma, hallelujah, and took that little child by the hand and raised it up. That's the life He gives us. Or the raised Lazarus who responded to the command of Jesus when He said, Lazarus, come forth. That life is just as real to us tonight when He said that. And we know all that, don't we? I said we know all of that. And we realize all of that. And when we come together in the midst of our troubles and trials, and in the midst of our dedication, so to speak, and in the midst of our festival of lights where we shine as lights of the world and we praise God and magnify God, wipe the sorrow from our hearts. But even in all of that, in the midst of all of this that is happening, the silent cry of every believer, myself included and everyone else, has a silent cry. When will our winter be over? How long, God, does this season last? How long must we look upon the barrenness of our church world? How long, God, must we look upon the coldness of individuals? How long, Master, must we just depend alone upon your promises? When are you going to visualize? When are you going to let us see? When you're going to let us recognize where you are, God. In other words, as, as the Jews said, when is our winter going to be over? As Jesus said, when's my winter going to be over? But greatly, the cry of the church tonight, every place as we go over the land, is when will this season end? When you look out, what do you see in the wintertime? Dead, dry, grass is withered. Had used to spring forth. There's no flowers anymore whatsoever. You see the trees that shine forth and shade in the green and there wasn't any there whatsoever. You see barrenness. You see coldness. And it's your winter time. All right? I feel like God has moved upon my life to tell us it's winter time. All right? And we must not expect things to happen in the winter time that happens in the spring and happens in the summer. But we must realize also that as the cycle of the world turns, so does the spiritual seasons turn. So do we when we endure our winter, when we walk through our winter, when we endure the barrenness and when we endure the coldness, and when we endure seeing our failure, fruitful things, you don't see them anymore. Bushes don't bring forth berries. Peaches don't come on peach trees. And every thing that had fruit before has none now. And it's cold and barren. But yet, friend, yet, friend, let me tell you something. Even though there's no fruit on that tree, the roots is way down deep. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said the roots is way down deep. And come springtime, they're going to blossom one more time. And they're going to bring forth their fruit just like they do in every season. And it's time to come. Our springtime is around the corner, but our winter is here. And we say, Lord, when's our winter going to be over? And you know, of all the things that Jesus says to us, my mind was prompted to one thing. The Lord replies this, 
owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Now, of course, you can look and search for a whole lot of other answers to your questions. And most probably you can find different answers when we say, seasonally speaking, when is winter for the church, God's true church, going to be over? Oh, you see the false church arise. You see it bring forth what type of fruit would you call it? It's not lasting fruit. It's synthetic fruit, I would say, or something like that. And you see it sprouts and bring forth. Uh, you see God's true church in the wintertime. You see it more or less hibernating. You see it struggling. You see no fulfillment as far as your eyes is concerned. But Jesus said these words, Don't owe anybody anything. I take it that that means... Don't have to apologize for anybody, to anybody, for anything you've ever said. Or for anything you've ever done. Just don't do it. And he said, but to love one another. You owe this to one another. We owe this to one another. To love one another. It's a debt that has to be paid by God's people. Now wouldn't you say, friend, that that might be lacking in the church world all the way around? When you say we might have superficial love, but friend, when we bite and devour one another, and when we speak cutting words that would cut down and destroy, and when we stick, uh, stay steeped in our own tradition, our ideas and our opinions, and set individuals to not because of that, would you not say that there's a little lack of love there somewhere? Say amen. You know it's truth anyway. And Jesus said you owe you owe one another something. I owe you my love. You owe me your love. You owe one another love. You owe that. Yeah. That's a debt that has to be paid. I don't know what this says to you, but it simply tells me that love is the warmth that we need in our wintertime. Amen. Amen. Amen? I said love is the warmth that we need in our wintertime. In other words, in the winter time, in the winter season of the church, God's people need body heat. Amen, Brother Hoskall. I said God's people need body heat. Jesus tells us that we are the body of Christ and members in particular. And we're in a cold, cruel chamber of the world and the sunlight doesn't shine on us and there's no heat anyplace else. We need to get body heat from one another. Hallelujah! And be warmed by one another. Amen. There's nothing like, as far as my wife is concerned, on a cold winter night to stick her cold feet on me and get them warm. I mean, there's something about the heat from my body that does something an electric blanket can't do. All right? That seems to do something that bundles of cover can't do. I said all that to say this. Let's let each other once in a while stick our cold feet on one another and warm by the fire of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the world is cold, it's wintertime. They're not going to light a fire for you out there. All right? You're not time this ever happened, if you'll notice that little Shumanite woman in Elijah, Elisha's time, I believe it was, 
when that little boy looked to be dead. And you know what Elisha did? Sure you do. He stretched himself out right on that little dead, cold body. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was winter time for that woman. All right, it was winter time. It was cold. The body was cold. But here was a man of God. Here was some warmth set from God in the times of desolation. And he stretched forth himself, eye to eye, nose to nose, mouth to mouth, hand to hand, body to body. And the Bible says, and the little boy's body become warm again. There's a lot of individuals in this world and it's cold, friend. I said they're cold and the church of God needs to supply them some warmth that would cause them to come alive again in your day and mine. Hallelujah. Those individuals simply can't warm themselves any other way than by the body of Jesus Christ. And that body is you and I in this world today. Yes, we need body heat. I said we need body heat. Remember David when he was dying? It wasn't enough covers to get that poor man warm. His blood circulation was bad. So what did they do? They send forth and find a young girl called Abishag. And when nothing else would warm that cold body of David, that little girl called in beside him, and our heat from her body gave him warmth in his life. I said all that not to be vulgar. And I said all that to let us know that sometimes when we in our winter time begin to get cold and there doesn't seem to be any fire that will warm us. No electric blankets around that will do the job. Sometimes we just need some heat from the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we just need somebody that's in the body of Christ to curl up close to us and take us in his arm and press your body close to ours and heat that cold body and bring it back again where it needs to be. Body heat. And so he's telling us that our survival in this cold world is love. If you survive wintertime in the church, the only thing that's ever survived in the winter seasons of the church has been love. When the shout has gone, you don't shout much in the wintertime. When you can't speak in tongues, you don't speak much unless you speak to yourself in God. When sometimes it's all we can do to force this body to raise its hand and rejoice in God. And it's always been the case when the winter season of the church rolls around, the only thing that ever endured has been genuine, old-fashioned love one for another. Warming one another's bodies. When we've been caught in a blizzard, when we've been caught outside, when our heat has been turned off, when iniquity and, and all of these things separate us and, and we're dispersed. And we have so many sicknesses and so many things that we don't understand come our way. And so many happenings in our life. And we wonder where we're at. And then we say, God is our winner about over. And the only thing that can sustain us in those crucial hours is to get some heat from the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let them warm themselves by the fire that only God's body puts out. As I said, in the wintertime, winter season of the church, you don't see much happening. Nobody sows seed. <laughs> All right? Nobody tills ground. Amen? Come on, saints. We get weary sometimes wondering why, why, why we don't bring a crop. Well, it's wintertime. You can't sow in the wintertime. All right, come stay with me now. You can't, you can't sow in the wintertime. Nobody's breaking up ground. Nobody's doing anything. You say, can't sow seed. It's wintertime. It's too cold. All you can do is try to keep warm. <laughs> Hallelujah. Try to keep warm. Amen. For the church to keep warm. Don't let this wind out here of this world cool you off. You keep warm by one another, say. You rub shoulders with one another. The Bible tells us that don't look back and don't look forward and don't look to either side and remember it's a winter season and we're here alone by ourselves and the blizzard winds are blowing and there's nothing happening outside. But we, God's people, come together during this season to give off a little heat one to another, waiting by the time when winter goes and spring comes. Hallelujah. And then we can look out and the sun is shining bright. And just like the old farmer, he, he's got cabin fever. I don't know about you folks, but I get cabin fever. And God has got to shake me once in a while and let me realize, hey, don't plan on too much in the wintertime. All right, I get cabin fever. I want, I'm asking God, when's winter going to be over? When is the sun going to shine? When is it going to warm the ground? When's it going to quit freezing and thawing? And when's it going to quit snowing? When's it going to get to the place where the ground's warm and I can take my old gospel plow and I can begin to plow a straight furrow out here in this ground and I can take the seed which is the Word of God and I can begin to sow it and it's going to take root and it's going to grow and then we're going to see because wintertime is over. I said wintertime is over. It's springtime now. Hallelujah. We have endured. Love caused us to endure. We'll freeze to death without love. We can't make it without love. I'm going to talk about this assembly. We can't make it in our winter without love. There's too many adversaries out there. There's no fires out there for us to warm by. And if it was, it'd be the wrong fire. We have nothing or no one except ourselves. Disregarded, mocked and scoffed and laughed at and called holy rollers and everything else. And come on now, warm your fire. Get a hold of the fire and warm yourself with the fire. And we're going to endure our winter. Hallelujah. I said we're going to endure our winter. Our winter season, just like it was for Jesus, is almost over. And our winter is almost over. And then we'll be able to go out. But right now I'm going to say it again. There's nothing warms in wintertime but love. 
If you see a body frozen to death and out of the church, it's because they didn't know where the warmth was. Amen. It's either that or we failed in our love to provide that warmth. Somebody happened to get caught out there. I mean, there was a snare of Satan. Something took them and they wandered in from this blizzard, so to speak, and they come wandering in to the house of God because they knew there was warmth there. And we were so comfortable, feeling so good, and we say, get your cold feet off of me and warm them yourself. All right? But God says, hey, love... Hey, love, that might sustain him. He, he may have frozen toes. Then he might come up and put his arms around you and say, I'm so glad I'm back in here where it's warm again. I so do appreciate you. And all at once the coldness of where they've been begins to rub upon us. We begin to push him away and say, uh-uh, you got yourself in that mess, now you get yourself out of it. I'm going to say it again. Shout goes out sometimes in the wintertime. People don't speak in tongues like they used to. They don't shout, they don't dance, they don't sing like they would in spring and summer and fall. No, they don't. And the only thing that carries us through is love. That's the only thing that emits warmth. Hallelujah. Nothing else can do it. So we need to, as a church, unite in love. We need to let it root out all of our divisions, all of envy and malice and strife, and all of our prejudgments, and all of our pride that lifts us up and makes us super saints that's never left the house of God. <laughs> we need to realize but far the might and power of Almighty God, whatever's out there could be us. And whoever's out there could be us. So body heat's what we need. I'll say it again. Body heat's what we need. Throw all the comforters you want to put on your electric blankets. But there's nothing that sustains as well as body heat. Where God's people are uniting one to another and receiving in our winter season love from one another. And friend, sometimes we strive Sometimes we cry. Sometimes we get disillusioned. What can I do? What can I do to get people in? I've been as guilty of that as anybody else. What can I do? What can I say? How much more of a testimony? And sometimes we've done the best we can. And the Bible is telling us here, if we'll just unite, if we'll just come to the place He asks us to come, in unity and in love, and present a resort area. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like resort areas. You know, individuals leave our winter season to go to Florida in that resort area because there's warmth there. Friend, in the spiritual world, this world needs a resort area. They need some place where they can see love and where they can see unity, and where this abounds every place, and it'll make them want to go to the resort area, furnish them by the power of Almighty God. A place of warmth, 
where they can come during their winter time. So what do we do in our winter time? We love, we warm one another, we keep unity, and if we've got all of this, when springtime comes, you won't have to worry about one thing. Hallelujah. You'll be ready to go out. Put in that old gospel plow. Hallelujah. And begin turning up and breaking up that fallow ground. And you'll begin spreading it around and, and, and cultivating it and disking it. And then you get this old gospel seed here and you begin to sow it. And then it's the season. I said, it's the season. And then it'll sprout. And it'll bring forth. And we'll see our springtime then. I said, we'll see our springtime. Then we'll see our summertime. And then we'll see our harvest. Hallelujah. I like harvest, don't you? That's where all of our labors and all of our watchings and all our tender care when we watch those little stalks from straws on up, and they materialize, and corn comes up, and we sure we keep the grass out of as much as we can, and we see and watch it, and it grows, and there's a tussle, and there's a little ear, and then finally, harvest season comes. If we've done our job right, hallelujah, if we've done our job right, harvest comes nice big ears we start that old combine going down through the field and we harvest our grain <laughs> amen it's winter time for the church it's winter time so there's not much we can do as far as planting a harvest but we can let everybody see that there's warmth in the body of Christ. And let them see our church as a resort area that they know they can come in out of the winter and we'll warm them. Amen. I said, and we'll warm them. That's all we can do in wintertime. Hallelujah. That's all we need to do in wintertime. So I don't know about you, but I'm tired of trying to plow when the ground's frozen. I'm tired of trying to sow when it's no re re reason and no value. Right now, it's God's time to let us depend on one another to survive our winter. And it was winter time. One of these days, in closing the grand finale, winter's going to be over for good. Hallelujah. No more seasons. The Bible says an angel comes down and sets one foot on the land and one on the sea. And what does he say? He declares that time, seasons, would be no more. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be one eternal day without a night. No more winter time for the church. No more winter times. No more summer times. All there's going to be is just one eternal day without a night. I want to read the 21st chapter, part of it of Revelations. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
While the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God over heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Winter's over now and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, be no more sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Winter's over. Never to be a season anymore. Hallelujah. But in the meantime, in the spiritual seasons of the church world, let us learn. I said, let us learn when it's planting time, when it's weeding time, when it's harvest time, and when it's just winter, and not much goes on but the warming process. But let's be sure, let's be sure that we furnish one another body heat. Hallelujah. When you notice